0: Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. The Bible says, And they that gladly received His word were baptized. In the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. And They, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be together this evening. Thank you for the the fun that we can have and, and being together in your house. Lord, thank you for the, the sweet spirit we have here at our, at our church. I thank you, Lord, for the good music, and Lord, thank you for your word. And I pray that you would use your word tonight, afresh uh, and anew in our lives, to uh, help us to be more like you. Help our church to be more like what you desire for our church to be. Uh, help it to not be... Uh, what we want it to be, but help it to be what you want it to be. And uh, we'll pray, or we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, last week we began a journey through the early churches of the New Testament. We started with the very first church in the book of Acts as it began on the day of Pentecost. Here called the, the First Church. We could call it the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. Um, but the Bible gives us a description of this church and what they focused on at the very beginning. It's wise for us to go back and, and look at that and, and ask ourselves, are, are we focused on what the early church was focused on way back in the day? And so we're going to do so for the purpose of asking the question, question are, are these characteristics evident in our church? But even more so than that, are these characteristics evident in my life? Because after all, the church is made up of many individuals. It's made up of you and me. And instead of saying, "Yeah, I wonder if our church has this characteristic," and is, "Do they have this?" <clears throat> Ask yourself, "Do I have this?" Uh, by way of review, last uh, last Sunday we saw. Here in the first couple verses that this first church, they had, first of all, we mentioned they had, a, they had receptive hearts to the word of God. If you recall in verse number 41, the, it begins with this, then they that gladly received his word. Remember, we talked about how uh, we uh, sometimes like to get things from the Bible and there are certain things that we like to not touch in the Bible because it's not as pleasant as others. And we mentioned that the Bible is not a smorgy, that you go and pick and choose what you like and leave out what you don't. But the word of God in its entirety needs to be received gladly, like the first church did. And they received, gladly received his word, and we mentioned that that was in really in re- reference to Peter's preaching there on the day of Pentecost. Um, and it was things that uh, was, was tough to hear. In verse number 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Have you ever been pricked in your heart by something that someone preached? I have. Um, it was one of those where, hey, it ceased to be preaching and started to get into the meddling aspect of life. Hey, you're meddling in my life. Get out of there. <laughs> you don't belong there, preacher. Um, and yet, they, gladly, they still gladly received his word. And so it has to do with preaching, yes, but the preaching was all based on the word of God and it was all recorded as the word of God here in, in the book of Acts. And so we, we talked about how this church had, a recept, re, had receptive hearts to the word of God. We also saw that this early church had a willingness to obey God. In verse 41, again, Then they that gladly, gladly received his word were baptized. So it, once, once they gladly received his word, it was like, Lord, what's next? Whatever it is, let me do it. And in this case, it was baptism, and it was uh, being willing to publicly identify with the Lord in believer's baptism. And, and, and if you recall, we mentioned that it was a lot different than it would be getting baptized in 2019, where we have a, a nice warm baptistry back here, and, and there's a whole host of people that are glad to see you do this. Uh, back in those days, when you got baptized, it potentially could cost you uh, your family relationship. You potentially could get disowned from your own family. You could potentially lose your job because now you're one of those religious zealots who are following this very strange doctrine that was very new in that day. And yet they were still willing to obey God no matter the cost. And that was a very inspiring truth. And hopefully all of us are also willing to obey God no matter the cost. Uh, Whether it goes against our grain or with our grain, we're going to obey God no matter what. We also saw that the early church was committed to doctrine. In verse number 42, the Bible says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We mentioned that Cornerstone Baptist Church needs to be a place where we know what we believe and why we believe it. We want our children to grow up and Be able to stand for the faith and not become like the dandelion that gets blown around, no matter the wherever the wind is blowing. But that we're firmly grounded and rooted in Christ and in His truth. Well, tonight we're going to hit the next three characteristics of this very first church. And Lord willing, next Sunday we'll finish our discussion uh, here in Acts chapter number two. Uh, But I. I could go through these super quick, but I, I don't want to skim over them and, and lose their their punch. So I'm taking a little bit extra time with each of these characteristics um, as we go through this s- series. So let's go. Let's let's get started here. Number one uh, tonight, the first the first of the three we're going to hit on is uh, the characteristic they were focused on fellowship. They had a focus on fellowship in verse number two forty two. They continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine, and the next word is fellowship. Uh, It was something that they continued steadfastly in. It was something that they were uh, committed to and that they were uh, not going to break, not just flippantly do, it was something that they were going to continue steadfastly in. Now the word fellowship here is a word that's kind of going by the wayside. In uh, modern Christianity, uh, we like to use other words for this, you know, uh, connect is a big one. Uh, we like to connect with one another, and, and I get it, and I think that that's, a, that's an okay word, but, but the Bible doesn't use the word connect, it uses the word fellowship, so I like using the Bible word. Um, now, the, the Greek word for fellowship is uh, quinoa, and I don't know if I'm saying that exactly right koi noah is that right Koinonia, yeah thank you there we go Koinonia, gotta put the knee in there something uh, i don't even know english properly so how am i supposed to know greek although i did take four semesters in Baba college but that was that was a minute ago uh, that was that was a while ago but this greek word uh for fellowship means partnership participation to communicate communion yeah we're going to take communion tonight but but fellowship has the idea of that we're communing together it means distrib- distribution and it means of course the word we're using tonight fellowship and uh, it's an imper- and it's an important word now as you as you think about this this early church now, most of these people, I, I suspect, probably really didn't know each other outside of the church. Now, some probably did. Some probably were friends or coworkers or or, or fellow worshipers uh, in, in, in Judaism who came to hear Peter preach on the day of Pentecost, and, and they were amazed, but, but I dare say a lot of these people didn't know each other outside of the church, and if you think about it, that's kind of how a lot of us are here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Um, You know, most of us don't work together. Well, few of us do. Um, uh, Most of us don't live together. I know some of you do. And we don't know each other necessarily outside of Cornerstone Baptist Church. But they, they made an effort to get to know one another through fellowship. And notice that it said that they continued steadfastly in fellowship. It was a priority in that early church. So they weren't just going and kind of filling a pew and then walking in and then walking right out, hoping no one catches them. And I know that in in larger churches, that is a huge danger. And a lot of people like that in a large church, so they can come in kind of unnoticed and they can leave unnoticed. That's not God's pattern uh, for a church. People are are meant to be uh, fellowshiped with, I almost said connected. People are, are, are meant to be, uh, have relationships with others. It's not supposed to be, hey, I'm just going to go and get my religious duty filled for the week and, uh, and go my way. That's not God's plan at all. Uh, we're not meant to be islands. We need each other. I need you. You need, well, I don't know that you need me as much as I need you. Uh, but the, the, the idea is that we all need each other. Um, now, before we go and, and say fellowship, hey, I, I need to go fellowship with everybody. Before we go and fellowship with any and everyone, let's remember that God's word gives us some parameters on who we're to fellowship with and those we should not fellowship with as believers. Now, let me just make a little side note before I go into these. Not, this isn't because we're better than them. Um, it's not because I'm going to look down at my nose at you and say, well, I can't fellowship with you because I'm way better than you. That's the opposite of the truth. The truth of the matter is I'm just trying to obey God, and that's it. Um, Okay, so here's a couple uh, verses maybe for you to jot down here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 10 says, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, I'm, I want to be kind to everybody, and I don't want to, you know, ruffle anyone's feathers necessarily, but, but there are some people and some groups that I am not supposed to fellowship with as a believer. And uh, we can't really talk about fellowship without understanding who we are to fellowship with and who we're not supposed to fellowship with. Another verse is 2 Corinthians 6.14, and you might be thinking of this verse in your mind as as I started mentioning this. And that verse says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Now, I know that some of you work with unsaved people, and it's a great opportunity, by the way, for you to be a a witness and a testimony, and uh, that is your mission field. That's great. The idea of being unequally yoked um, certainly has to do with with marriage and and a close, intimate relationship, but also we can take that and apply it to just personal relationships where we begin spending a lot of time now, if the purpose of spending time is to present the gospel and, and witness, then praise the Lord. But if it's just meant to hang out together and just kind of shoot the breeze and, and uh, you know, over a couple beers, well, you're, <laughs> uh, you're, you're failing to follow 2 Corinthians 6.14. Uh, you're, you're becoming yoked together and all of a sudden now you're, instead of you impacting them, they are now impacting you. And I've shared this before, but most of the time it's way easier for them to drag you down than it is for you to pull them up. So Luke, come on up. Let's try this. Okay, this is a pretty strong 12-year-old kid here. Uh, I'm going to try to pull you up these stairs, and you're going to try to pull me down. Let's see who wins, okay? But you better try hard. But be warned, I'm very strong. Okay, here we go. Ready, go. <laughs> okay, see, he had gravity working in his favor. That's not fair. Okay. Now, that's the same thing that happens with us. If we go, hey, buddy, let's get together and, and hang out and and boy, I'm going to try to get you to come up here, but if, if you don't, I need to let you go so that I can stay where I need to be. But too often we get in these missionary relationships and even in not just a friendship, but it becomes a romantic interest. And we, we justify it saying, I'm going to bring you up here and it's going to be wonderful. I'm going to reach you for Christ and then we're going to get married. Well, that doesn't happen and you decide, well, I'm just going to get married. And, and boy, once we get married, then all of a sudden you're going to see who, who Christ is in me and you're going to just come to Christ like that. Now, praise the Lord for the op, for, for the situations that that does happen. But that, that shouldn't be what we do. Uh, we, we, we need to make sure that we're not being unequally yoked together with unbelievers because uh, more often than not, they're going to pull you down there And it's going to be a long time before you're back up here again. And a lot of people never get back up here again. So be careful on who you fellowship with, is what I'm saying. To have the closest, deepest, and most fulfilling fellowship with someone, you need to have the most important thing in common. You might have everything under the sun in common, but if you don't have this in common, you don't have the most important thing in common. And that is a personal relationship with God through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is really the common bond that we should have when it comes to fellowship. 1 John 1 and verse 7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Christian fellowship is two-dimensional and it has to be vertical before it can be horizontal. We must know the reality of fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, before we can know the reality of fellowship with each other in our common relationship to God. The person who is not in fellowship with the Father and the Son is no Christian at all and so cannot share with Christians the realities of their fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, another great passage regarding fellowship. Uh, Verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, A lot of of the reason that a lot of people want to just kind of go in the church and please no one say anything to me. And when the pastor says amen, I'm just going to jolt out the door. Or bolt out the door. It's because they don't want to be provoked. You know, in that Facebook where people poke you. Please don't poke me. That's probably going to be like 50 pokes tonight. I don't even know how to poke anyone in that. Don't tell me how. I don't really want to know. But, but being in church ought to be a little bit of spiritual poking. We ought to put a little pressure on each other to do right to encourage one another in the Lord. Uh, There's a lot of temptation out there. We need a lot of encouragement, and we ought to get that here. So don't just come in and and bolt out the door. Uh, Stay around and be encouraged and encourage one another. You need to be provoking, and you need to be provoked. (laughs) We need both, and I need both. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, as we began 2019, I read through the vision for our church for this year. One of the areas I highlighted, actually the second priority, was relationships. And I encouraged us to build relationships with the people who come to Cornerstone Baptist Church. And I hope that you're working at getting to know one another. Let's do what we can to get to know those who are newer in our church. Um, Those who are newer should... uh, should have a whole bunch of us, not just, not just a select few who are going up to them and encouraging them and getting to know them. Let's, let's get to know one another. It, it takes a little effort, and uh, let's be a friendly church to those who are newer and get to know them. Don Graham shares a story that, that illustrates the importance of, of good fellowship, and I'd like to share it with you. In the fall, uh, the fall of the year, so autumn time, Linda, a young woman, was traveling alone up the rutted and rugged highway from Alberta to the Yukon. Linda, Linda didn't know how uh, didn't know you don't travel to Whitehorse alone in a rundown Honda Civic, <laughs> so she set off where only four-wheel drives normally venture. The first evening, she found a room in the mountains near a summit and asked for a 5 a.m. wake-up call so she could get an early start. She couldn't understand why the clerk looked surprised at that request, but as she woke to early morning fog shrouding the mountaintops, she understood. Not wanting to look foolish, she got up and went to breakfast. Two truckers invited Linda to join them, and since the place was so small, she felt obliged. Uh, where, where are you headed, one of the truckers asked. White horse. In that little Civic? <laughs> no way. Hey, this pass is way too dangerous in weather like this. Well, Linda's gutsy response was, well, I'm determined to try. Then one of the truckers suggested, then I guess we're just going to have to hug you. Well, Linda drew back, of course. There's no way I'm going to let you touch me. (laughs) Not like that, the truckers chuckled. You see, we'll put one truck in front of you and the other in the rear. And that way we'll get you through the mountains. And so all that foggy morning... Linda followed the two red dots in front of her and had the reassurance of a big escort behind as they made their way safely through the mountains. Caught in the fog in our dangerous passage through life, we need to be hugged. With fellow Christians who know the way and can lead safely ahead of us and with others behind gently encouraging us along, we too can pass safely. So we need each other. We need to hug one another. Hug hug one another with a holy hug. Kiss each other with a holy kiss. That's in the Bible. Some of the teenagers are like, that's my memory verse for next week. (laughs) Uh. So fellowship is so important, and that's what the early church focused on. It goes on to say in verse 42, fellowship and in breaking of bread. So what kind of breaking of bread, and this isn't the next one, but breaking of bread has to do with uh, probably eating meals together, and I would encourage you once again, as I uh, mentioned at the beginning of the year, have meals together with one another um, and I realize you may not have the perfect home for entertaining, but maybe go out after a, a church service and and go to you know del taco super cheap and uh, and have have a couple tacos together or something that you can enjoy some fellowship aside from being here at church. Uh, have them over to your home or or go meet somewhere else uh, but but do some breaking of bread together and and of course, this could uh indicate the the communion and what they were doing and what we're going to do tonight breaking bread um, you know that that that's definitely a possibility I think mostly it was just having meals together because a lot of them were 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 their their whole life was radically changed because of their acceptance of christ and and being baptized and and they were kind of needing to hang out with one another. They needed each other. And by the way, we still need each other. So uh, to remind us about that, that important part of, of being in a church is focusing on fellowship. Number two tonight, I want to mention the they had a priority on prayer. They had a priority in prayer. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in, what was it, the apostles' doctrine? Fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Prayer is an amazing resource that God gives us. In fact, He he made it possible for us to come to Him. And and if you think about it, if you were here this morning, we talked about the the truth of God's holiness. For Him, as holy as He is, to give us access to His throne room is really an amazing thought. And knowing how wicked and sinful I am, and for God to say, Eric, I want you to come boldly to my throne room. It's pretty remarkable that God in his, his holiness would welcome and encourage me, of all people, to come unto Him. It's amazing. So God's given us access. I have in my wallet something that's, that's kind of neat. Um, you probably can't see it here, but it's a, it's a zoo, friends, and I am a member. This gives me access into the Oklahoma City Zoo. Yes, thank you. One amen so far tonight. I'll take it. <laughs> but this is a blessing. This allows me to get into the zoo with my family, and uh, we can go and and see the the giraffes or the gorillas or whatever we want to see while we're there. Now, unfortunately, on this pass, uh, it, it has an expiration date of. 10:31, 2019 and then no longer will i be able to have access to the zoo now since having this we've gone a grand total of two times <laughs> um, and we've enjoyed both times it was it was it was great but you know the if i wanted to go at two in the morning because i really want to see a snake This pass, as great as it is, is not going to let me in at 2 in the morning. No one's going to be there to scan this little barcode. And so, therefore, I don't quite have 24-7 access to this zoo. Now, when it comes to my access to the throne room of God, right? I have something far greater than a little piece of paper. I have the blood of Christ that has given me access to to his throne room which is far greater than any zoo by the way i have access to the one who created everything in the zoo and the one that can help me with all of my problems and guess what there's no it he never closes that throne room has no hours of operation it's 24 7 and with the blood of christ there's no expiration date on the access well, we have that access, but can I ask you the question? You say, well, you have this and you've only been twice. How sad. I mean, you could go every day. Wouldn't you go every day to the zoo? Well, obviously there's other responsibilities in my life that cause me from not, ha- not being able to go. <coughs> but you and I have access to the throne room of God. How are we using that access? How much are you utilizing and taking advantage of that access that you have to the throne room of God? I think a lot of Christians have that access and they're going, great, I can, but I don't. So I'm not asking if you can have access, because you do, through the blood of Christ, but are you taking advantage of that? Are you using that path, so to speak, and spending time in prayer? You can go to him at... Two in the morning if you want. And he'll be there as attentive as he would be at noon. I would encourage you to be faithful in your prayers. But also not only individually, but also corporately. Corporate prayer is an important part of a church. We find the corporate uh, corporate prayer mentioned a couple times here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Before the day of Pentecost took place, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts 12 and verse 5, one of the more humorous stories in the Word of God, as Peter was placed into prison and the church was praying together for him. In verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. They had a prayer meeting for Peter. And then most of us know the story, how Peter was released from prison uh, through, through God's working and and he comes and knocks on the door, and, and Rhoda comes and, and says, "'Who is it?' And, and he says, "'It's Peter.'" And so she's going, "'Wow.'" She doesn't even open the gate for him. And uh, she goes and tells everybody and says, "'Peter's at the gate.'" They're like, "'Yeah, right. He's in prison.'" "'Can you get back to the prayer meeting? Because we're praying for Peter.'" She's like, "'He's at the gate.'" <laughs> Finally, they find Peter, and he's out there shivering. He's like, "Gonna let me in. Come on, I'm cold.'" <laughs> Uh, God's answered your prayers. But they were praying together for Peter. And it was something that took place quite a bit. There's there's a few quotes I want to share with you regarding corporate prayer. A congregation, J.B. Johnston said this, A congregation without a prayer meeting is essentially defective in its organization and so must be limited in its efficiency. Congregation without a prayer meeting is essentially defective in its organization and so must be limited in its efficiency. Richard Burr said this, A church is never more like the New Testament church than when it is praying. Not that when it is, you know, singing the praise and worship songs, but when it is praying. Mr. Burr, who wasn't cold, by the way, I know somebody's thinking, There's a joke in there somewhere. Mr. Burr also said, a dynamic praying church must be built from the inside out, employing all four levels of prayer. The secret closet, the family altar, small group praying, and finally the congregational setting. J.B. Johnston, the final quote that I'll share is, he said, as prayer meetings fail in a congregation, so will the ministrations of the pastor become Unfruitful. The preaching of the word failed to convert sinners and promote holiness in the professors of religion. And so the emphasis here is having prayer times as a church that realize it's not the most exciting thing and it's not glamorous, but it's something that God chooses to bless and it's necessary if our church is going to be blessed of God. So I want to encourage us as Cornerstone Baptist Church to be faithful to the services, particularly on Wednesday nights as we have special times of prayer in that service. I realize Wednesday nights are, most people don't get off work and go, oh, sweet, get to go to church. I realize it's sometimes a challenge, sometimes a sacrifice to be here. I'm telling you, it's worth it, and one that God blesses. Well, this Wednesday night, we're going to have a guest speaker, so we'll not have the prayer time. But going, you know, going forward, that's that's the plan. Also, let's pray for one another, for the public services, for spiritual growth, for numerical growth, for God to increase our ministry in our community and around the world, for God to protect us from attack from without and from within, for God to help us maintain doctrinal integrity and purity, and for God to help us maintain moral purity. Pray for one another. God is, uh, or spiritual warfare is a thing. It's a reality. And the devil is constantly fighting everyone in the church. Certainly me. I know he's been fighting me. And we need each other's prayers. We need to pray for one another. And this was a priority in that first church. Thirdly, and lastly tonight, there was an understanding of unity. There was an understanding of unity. Verse number 44. Bible says, "...and all that believed were together..." And had all things common. Does that mean they agreed on everything? I don't think that they agreed on everything. Um, You know, just like we have uh, fingerprints that are all unique, we all have unique, differing opinions on how things should be and how things should go and how things should be done. These early believers were a united body. Think about a a Peanuts cartoon that Charles Schultz wrote and drew. In this Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus would change the TV channel, threatening him with her fist if he didn't obey her command. What makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, asked Linus. These five fingers, said Lucy. Individually they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Well, which channel do you want? asked Linus. <laughs> Turning away, he looks at his fingers and say and says, Why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> Oh, God wants us to be a united front as a church as we go forward for Christ and reach this community. I realize that all of us have differing opinions. I get that. And that's actually a blessing. But it can become a curse if we don't keep our hearts in check. Because it can create division. Division is something that God is not for when it comes to His body. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. It got so bad that... it." word kind of spread to Paul that, hey, there's some divisions in this church at Corinth. And he had to spend some time addressing this church because there was some division there. I would hope and pray that we don't have to have that type of discussion here at Cornerstone. Again, I know that there's differing opinions, but there can only be one... one that We're all kind of Chindians, Right, Uh, Not all of us can be the chief, because if we're all the chief, it's going to be a difficult road to hoe. Um, It would be like my hand wanting to go over here and my other hand wanting to go over here. and Well, we're not going to get very far. Neither one is going to get far. So one has to submit to the other, and okay, now we're able to go the right direction and get something done. There are two ways of being united, uh, D.L. Moody said. One is by being frozen together, and the other is by being melted together. What Christians need is to be united in brotherly love, and then they may expect to have power. We can be forced to be together, but it's way better if we are willing to be together. In his, in his book, The Pursuit of God, and I've shared this um, story, and for those who've read this book, uh, A.W. Tozer uh, wrote this about unity. He said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So in other words, let's each of us focus on being right with the Lord and united with Him. And we'll find that we're automatically united with each other. As a side note, I want to once again point out that the order of these priorities, we find in verse 42, they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and then they were focused on unity. Doctrine first, then unity. Remember, that's God's order. Doctrine and truth first, then unity and peace. It is only then that can two walk together when we are in agreement. Matthew 5 and verse 8, when we go going through the series, blessed. Remember, we talked about these beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, is mentioned first. Then it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So righteousness comes first. Truth comes first. Doctrine comes first. Then peace. Then unity. Too often in in especially in christianity we kind of say well well god wants us just to get along with everybody not necessarily Amen. we we just read a few verses ago about how god doesn't want us to be unequally yoked together that doesn't mean we need to be rude and obnoxious and and, and jerks um, that's that's wrong too but but god wants us to be careful who we're united with and he wants us to make sure that it's based on truth and and the same common uh, denominator, which is a relationship with Him and and truth. James 3.17, another reference, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. So uh, as we look at desiring to be united with those in our church and and those outside our church, let's remember that we need to be walking together, uh, or we need to be in agreement before we can really uh, walk together. So three very important priorities that this early church had. Um, they had a priority on fellowship. They were focused on fellowship, getting to know one another, building these relationships within the church. And I would encourage you to have that priority in your life and in your family and in your home where you're getting to know one another. And I realize that some of you may be shyer than others. But when someone reaches out to you, accept their invitation, even though it may feel, it may, you may feel a little awkward. It's necessary for you to build these relationships here in this church. We are, brother, we are called brothers and sisters in Christ for a reason. We need to be there for each other when we're going through difficult times. We need to encourage one another. We need to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. But if you don't have any relationships, don't be surprised if no one's rejoicing with you when you rejoice. And don't be surprised if no one weeps with you when you weep. You've got to get to know one another. You've got to experience some fellowship. And then there was a priority on prayer, an under, a, a realization that, that God blesses prayer. And they, they made it a, something that they were continuing steadfastly in. And then there was an understanding of unity. So I'd like to just ask this question as we close tonight. How are we doing so far with these priorities? Do we have a focus on fellowship? Do we have a priority on prayer? Do we understand unity? Better yet, let me ask you this question. Do you have a focus on fellowship? Is it something that you are focused on? Because again, you can't say, well, how is our church doing? Let Let me see. No, take individual inventory on these. Do you have a focus on fellowship? Do you have a priority on prayer? You have access are you taking advantage of that access? And do you understand unity or are you saying, hey, it's got to be my, my way or the highway? And I don't know that there's anybody like that tonight, but, but if in your heart it's that way, maybe you need to surrender your will so that we can move forward together as a church.